The following audio was recorded during a meeting of the Department of Offense. It is not suitable for children, the easily offended, or anyone with actual taste. You have been warned. Jane Goodall motorboating a gorilla's floppy milk. I would make a lot of rectangles. I could never do squares, right? We all had to put pants on this week because you're here. And now it's time for the Department of Offense. And we're back again. It's, well, I guess again is a thing, right? Yeah. We're back every week. This is episode 19. How exciting is that? Next week is episode 20. We are uh, pretty awesome. It's a lot Double of digits and things. Nah. Yay. 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 Who do we have here in studio today, Casey? I don't know. There's a bunch of you fuckers. I don't really know what's going on. Actually, joining us are uh, Spencer Phoebe. Spencer, say some words. Say some words. Uh, words are tough. All right, yeah, that's Spencer right there. And uh, Mr. Pete DeSanctis, who Hello. has joined us before. And as always, for every homebrew episode, we have Miles. Yay! Yes, a lot of the regulars are gone this week because they're like, the show's not important. And yeah. Well, pfft, on them. Yeah, what jerks? It's important to me. Yes. It's important okay. to me, too. They Thank should you, drop Pete. everything else in their lives except this show. I agree. 110%, Carlos. <laughs> Best idea you've ever had, ever. <laughs> then again, that's the not saying one. much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the trivial trivia for this week. According to the Guinness Brewery, Approximately how many seconds should you let a Guinness settle before topping it off? All right, no, nobody actually had the right answer online. Made me kind of sad. Then how do you know what the right answer is? Because I know what the right answer is, but nobody guessed the right answer. Oh, nobody. Well, you'd think. I mean, if you're going to answer it online, all you'd have to do is just look it up for ten seconds. I believe in the integrity of our (laughs) listeners. It is 119.5 seconds, approximately. You see, our listeners were too apathetic to actually do it. So. <laughs> That's, yeah, Carlos, you're probably right. Damn it, I hate it when Carlos is right. It's the worst thing ever. Ever. Well, we can still just assume he's wrong. No, because I just, well, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it could just be sheer coincidence that he had the correct answer, but he didn't possess the intelligence to be right. Yes, that is probably true. Two minutes sounds about right to me, though. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yes, that is the trivial trivia. Question of the week this week. I was really proud of this one. Came up with it all by myself. First for everything. <laughs> How would you catch a leprechaun? Carlos? Uh, Rufy. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to, like, hit on it at the bar, buy it a drink? You get it a drink... It's a, it's gonna drink. Obviously, it's a leprechaun. It's Irish. Just put a Rufinus drink. You hear want. that, ladies? Carlos Rufies. You know, I'd have to ask Sean where to get a Rufie. <laughs> <laughs> Miles. Oh, let's see. I thought uh, I thought get a shoebox, prop it up with a stick and a string, and put a beer underneath there. All right. He goes for the beer. You pull the string. Perfect. Um, I suppose um, I could go with the roofy approach, but you got to be able to know where to find the leprechaun. <laughs> you got to know what club he's the... going to. So, you drink enough. They show up. So I would, I'd have to go to his house and keep an eye on him for a while and see like where he goes, what he does. Okay. Because you can't just like 
kidnap a leprechaun. You know, so people you, care about leprechauns. Who cares about leprechauns? What do you mean you can't? Just they're they're mythical creatures, so you can kidnap them. And you can't get in trouble for it. That's not true. Yeah, they you, if you exist. kidnap a midget, you get in trouble. They're well, mythical. They're exactly. <laughs> they're not so you can't just go like put them in your van. You know <laughs> that says free so. candy on the side. <laughs> I'd find out where he lives. Okay, and then stalk him for a while, and then yep, take him out. Look him up on Facebook. <laughs> Spencer, how would you uh, capture a leprechaun? I would rig a slightly large mouse trap with Lucky Charms in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They are magically delicious. They're always they are good. Their mucky, magical Lucky Charms. <laughs> um, well, the first thing I think you need to do to catch a leprechaun is you need to find a rainbow. Right, and then you need to travel to the end of that rainbow. There might be gays at the other end, though, too. That's kind of their symbol. Well, see, I have this theory that gays and leprechauns attract each other. And so if you just go to the you know, the, the gay community, you'll so find some leprechauns. set up a bunch of mouse traps up at a pride parade. Perfect. I like the way you think. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Carlos, when's the next gay pride parade? I don't know. Well, Carlos, you haven't you scheduled gotta... it yet, Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you took my joke and turned it back around on me. Huh, clever. You guys are good. You guys are good at this. Good at this. We had a few people, uh, uh, you know, message in with ways on how they would catch a leprechaun. Uh, Brandon Telly's wife, there was no name. It was just Brandon Telly saying, my wife says, well, we all know that leprechauns are gay, so maybe I'd pour some glitter on the floor. Like a glitter trap. Interesting idea, Brennan Telly's wife. Interesting idea. <laughs> hmm. uh, Zach Zablonski said, get a uh, sexy-looking midget covered in glitter near a pot of gold, then hide a net under it. You know, I'm starting to think that my idea lacked a vital part. Glitter. glitter yeah. <laughs> glitter is apparently very key in catching leprechauns. So you just you just hide a net under the pot of gold? Is that what Zach is saying? Yes, with with a sexy looking midget but on top of it. So how does he get caught in the net? I don't know. Doesn't the leprechaun already have a pot of gold? But it wants more. Don't you Does always it? want more gold? They're they're a greedy Jewish little bastards. Leprechaun? That's why they never share. I don't know. I don't think you can have a Jewish leprechaun. Well, I bet you they could. want gold and they want more of it. I thought all leprechauns were Catholic. That's potential. They're all Irish Catholic. Yes, Irish Catholic. Mm. Or wait, which one's Northern Ireland? I don't remember. There's so many crazy religious politics in Ireland. Doesn't make any sense. Really? I assumed that it was all Irish Catholic and that was all... <laughs> you are on top of things, Carlos. On top of all the things. I Moving on to the beer tasting. All right. We are tasting Guinness today. Brought to us by Divine. Yay. Yay. Yeah, so Yay. go buy your Guinness at Divine because it's St. Patty's Day this weekend. And that's a thing. If you if you hate snakes, go to Divine and buy beer. Right? That that was that was St. Patrick's thing. He got all the snakes out of Ireland. That is true. He did. I never heard that. Well, I didn't well. know what you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't there a Simpsons episode, like, Weasel Stomping Day that was kind of like that? Uh, that's a Weird Al song. No, it was Whacking Day. And well, that's it? every day. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's a masturbation joke for those of you who missed it. <laughs> Sometimes twice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I guess let's go around the table. 
Carlos, what do you like about Guinness? Well, you know, it's <laughs> apparently he likes the wrapper. Uh, it was pretty good. Uh, I don't know. I've had better stouts. Actually, I think I prefer like the oatmeal stouts to just Guinness. But if I go to, whenever I go to a bar, like if, if I don't like the other options, I go with Guinness usually. So okay. it's pretty good. Miles, uh, it's a good uh, go-to beer. Uh, pretty much always available. Pretty much anywhere you go. Uh, light in body. It's got a lot of chocolatey kind of flavors to it. And being a stout and also being nitrogenated, it's easy drinking. So you can have something hefty, but still like approachable. Yes. Okay. Pete, I like the head a lot. Yeah, you like head. I like it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you like putting it. Putting the head in your mouth. Yeah, well, that's where I taste it. Carlos, so. that, that's a little <laughs> bit of a reach. A little bit of a reach. Anyways, like on tap, just like inch and a half, inch, yeah, whatever. I'm cool with that. Totally nice, creamy head on there. Damn so right. Good. So fantastic, Spencer. Yeah, it's good beer. I mean, definitely better ones out there, but it's all yeah. right. Quit yeah, hating on Guinness. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to go with uh, the general consensus where it's a good go-to beer, but not my favorite. I always hear from everybody that it's an entirely different animal in Ireland. I, You know, I believe it. I do, too. But here in the States, I like it in a black and tan. That is my favorite way to consume Guinness with either a Smittix or a Harp on the bottom. Did you have one of those last week? Of course. Maybe <laughs> just try that tonight. Yeah. I've never had one either. Maybe I'll have to do that as well. You you will definitely have to because they Sounds are good. delightful. Delightful is definitely the word. Delightful. 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 All right. So now that the beer tasting is done, those of you who listen to the show all the time know what's next, right? Right. Time for the banjos. Right. Banjos. Maybe if I can find them. Hang on. He did not have it already. There. Where are the banjos? Every week, somebody. <laughs> That's right, folks. It's time for crazy arrests. Yeehaw! Right? No, I'm, I'm never going to do that again. That was yeah. a mistake. <laughs> Just like your consent. Thanks for that Oh, one. thank you, Spencer. <laughs> a 66-year-old Oak Creek woman called 911 saying her children had gotten angry about what she brought them home for dinner. The children got into a food fight the previous evening, and their mother wanted a police officer to come over and tell the children to eat what she gives them. She told officers she brought pizza home, but her kids were upset because she didn't get breadsticks. Beat the, the shit out of the little fuckers. What a bunch of ungrateful you bastards. Need those. Come on. <laughs> hey, to be fair, breadsticks are freaking awesome. What do you got? Yeah, but are they like yep. beat up your 66-year-old mother awesome? I'm going to guess these little shits are the same ones who bitch about not having breadsticks, but don't eat the fucking crust off the pizza. That's basically a goddamn breadstick. <laughs> really. One of the children is a 31-year-old woman. The other ages of the children were not specified. The officer advised them on how to get along and the proper use of the emergency system. Like, can you imagine, like, answering that call and getting there, thinking, you know, you're going to see a bunch of toddlers and... One of like, them's a 31-year-old Yeah, I, I'm just I'm just imagining all these kids are in their, you know, late 20s, early 30s, and you're just like, oh, fuck. 
Fuck. You know, half of them are older than he is. <laughs> right. I think the mother should have strangled them all in their crib. I agree. Like, just wow. I don't. And who complains about pizza? Pizza's fucking delicious. They oh, went yeah, without breadsticks. I don't like Domino's. It's not the same. They went breadsticks. The only thing I don't like about Domino's is their chicken wings. The chicken it wings are pretty disgusting. shitty. Oh, <laughs> gonna have Carlos talking all day about Domino's. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. A 37-year-old man tried to return a printer to Walmart that contained a sheet of paper with two photocopied $100 bills on it. Police say they found three more fake $100 bills when they arrested the suspect. He was also wanted on burglary and armed robbery charges or warrants. Uh, police were called because the man was trying to return the printer without receipts or any proof he had actually bought the equipment at the store. <laughs> hey, I stole this, but I want to return it. <laughs> Give me my money back. When he, to- when he was told that he was under arrest, police say the man fought back. What a moron. Oh, my God. <laughs> well... Okay, so you're printing some cash, right? Who hasn't done that? Just on a basic no, printer? I mean, yeah, you know, just, it works. Basic printer, you, know, you got this shit, right? And you're like, okay, well, I'm done with this, but I want some real money, too, so let's bring this printer back to the store <laughs> yeah. where I didn't actually buy it. Yeah, why didn't dipshit just print out more money? <laughs> and just, and, oh, if I, I'm going to forget yeah. a sheet of paper in there with two $100 bills on it. I don't think like, my bank would take those. <laughs> you don't think so? But you, you legitimately but. have to question the man's intelligence. <laughs> you do. I don't I don't know how. And, and then the icing on the cake, he fights back with the police. Of course. You're yeah. not going to win. You're not gonna I'm win. not arrested. You're arrested. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got us there, officer. <laughs> oh, shucks. Game over. Uh, aren't you too old to be underage drinking? No. You're too old. In other news, in light of all the recent headlines about kids getting suspended for stupid reasons, the Maryland State Senate is meeting to try to put a dent in the zero-tolerance policies that are causing these problems. You guys remember these zero-tolerance policies from high school, right? Mm-hmm. No drugs, no violence. Rah! That nobody ever actually got attacked on. Well, apparently now they're buckling down ever since that school shooting. Did you hear about Which the one, one with the Pop-Tart? Yeah, they they uh, bit the pop tart into a shape of a gun. Yeah, what? And it was like this third or a fourth grader. He yep. uh, ate or he was eating his pop tart, chewed it into the shape of a gun. Which, let's be honest, who hasn't done that? Yeah, I have yeah. Well, I mean, the th- the point Not being, a gun, is, it's a pop tart. <laughs> Pete <laughs> likes his uh, pop tarts penis shaped. My dick tarts. <laughs> yeah. What if you like? And then, <laughs> and then they kicked the kid out of school and are now offering counseling to everyone who is traumatized by the situation. Oh, my God. By a Pop-Tart. By yeah, but not by the Pop-Tart. Dick-tart. <laughs> yeah, if you held up a Dick-Tart, they'd just be like, hey, now that's not cool. <laughs> no dicks in school. I have to say, but a Dick-Tart no, is pretty No, clever. that is not true, because if it was a boy who made the Dick-Tart, he would be in therapy. <laughs> For homosexual, I guarantee it. I don't know. They would I have think, issues with that. I, like, I think it's pretty clever. Like, you squeeze it until it gets sticky. <laughs> <laughs> the bill is being met with strong opposition from school administrators and school boards. So, like, the, the powers that be at these school systems don't want zero tolerance removed. Do they like being made fun of in the paper? I don't. They like having it's unlimited just power. Just away all their discretion. I, well, they're not using I, it. Well, zero tolerance. You don't have discretion. Yeah. 
mean, if you take that away, oh, you can actually realize the difference between bringing like a gun to school, like an airsoft pistol and a fucking pop tart <laughs> <laughs> or a bubble gun. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, an Indiana woman is suing a church because it won't let her display the headstone she wants on her husband's grave. The headstone is a black is black granite shaped like a couch featuring images of a deer, a dog, and color logos of NASCAR and the Colts. You see, now what's the problem the with that? <laughs> There's nothing wrong well, actually, with that. No, actually, the pastor's a Packers fan. <laughs> Doesn't that matter. Was the headstone too serious. expensive? She had to get sponsors. Oh <laughs> <laughs> it's so fast. <laughs> I, I can see the problem with it is uh, it's not very respectful to everybody with a grave anywhere nearby her. <laughs> Anybody who doesn't want to sit on a headstone eating Cheetos naked? <laughs> Wait, is the is this couch headstone life size? I, or, I don't know. Like, I, mean, I am picturing a life size headstone. I, I'm picturing this little, you know, this little like, you know, one foot wide headstone shaped like a couch with some animals on it. What? I, well, apparently it was like, it, you know, I mean, it was a super expensive headstone. Like, you it was know, like ten grand, it. wasn't it? Yeah. So she like asked that. after she got the headstone. Yeah. No, she has the headstone. It it got and, approved beforehand. I thought. Oh, did it? Or maybe they kind of. The, the article I read was really short. Oh. Like they they didn't even have a picture of the headstone, which I was sad oh, about. This oh, one was depressing. on Yahoo this week. Okay, but yeah, it's just like you know, I I can kind of see the you know the church's side where you don't want to like be laid to rest near some NASCAR fan. Like I wouldn't care, that. dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's I just wouldn't care at all. Tacky. Yeah. No, I, that's just stupid. I think they should be able to put on most. For the most part, whatever they want. There's nothing. I want offensive. a giant dong above mine. There is, Knew it. There is nothing. <laughs> there is nothing offensive about a couch, a deer, and NASCAR. There's nothing offensive about a cock either. Could have like a suction cup dildo on top. Of yours. <laughs> <laughs> Replace the battery every other week. <laughs> Still get action after you're dead. <laughs> no, uh, my my headstone is actually going to have free Wi-Fi, so people have a reason to visit. <laughs> Bring my laptop. Go hang out. <laughs> On the life-size couch. (laughs) (laughs) A student who allegedly hacked into the wireless internet network at Florida State University, Panama City, and redirected users to a porn site is facing felony charges. Felony charges? That's ridiculous. On March 1st, users who accessed the Wi-Fi on campus were redirected (laughs) from the FSU PC homepage to a site displaying a video of two men having sex. Aww. (laughs) Don't worry, Spencer. It gets better. <laughs> it's not clear how many students, staff, and faculty actually saw the video or how long the Wi-Fi was disrupted. The website has been revealed as meetspin.com. <laughs> I just remember. Was it Todd that sent it to Todd, Jake? No, <laughs> my brothers. Well, did someone send it to Jake's too? And no, Jake sent it to it, mine. <laughs> well, I remember Jake opening something up and going, ah! <laughs> oh God, that that has made the uh, that has made the rounds as homepages or in like, circle. Oh, the best is putting it as a desktop. Uh, <laughs> but just it's the music that makes it <laughs> hear that song you spin me right round yeah, baby right round <laughs> I've never actually seen it but I know oh. a lot about it from hearing things like this I think it'd be maybe I'll try like well, lemon party next or month fall <laughs> oh god he should have waited till April 1st for this though <laughs> 
Well, he was trying to expose like uh, security concerns about the network. Well, he found some. <laughs> well, you know, and that's Maybe probably, also exploited them. Honestly, yes. that's probably why they're prosecuting him too, because it's such an embarrassment that he did it the way he did. Yeah, and I guess not everybody wants to see some guy getting nailed. Yeah, but you know what? That's funny. <laughs> like, between the two concerns, like uh, security break, a little bit of humor is gay porn. Yes. Well, just think, like, a professor's, like, out somewhere else. He's not, like, at school teaching or whatever. He whips out his laptop. It's like, oh, I'm just going to check my stuff here. Well, no, it, it was, in, it like, was a... only on the school Wi-Fi now. How did they oh, catch yeah, him? Right, well, okay. just think about it. Like, like did he pro- come forward? <laughs> no. He, is, he was just really bad at covering his tracks. Right. <laughs> just think of some professor, like, starting a PowerPoint up and having <laughs> something online. Yeah. You're like, uh... <laughs> Imagine having that conversation with his like, students. Professor Wilson, what do you do at home? <laughs> but at well, least... They didn't have a pop tart. I don't remember watching this last night. All right, uh, you guys know the band Iron Maiden, right? Yeah, sure, okay. sure. Uh, they nope. have created its own their own beer called Trooper after their song. It's a four point seven percent ale brewed with a blend of Bobek, Goldings, and Cascade hops. They are looking at releasing it to the public in early May. Yeah. Interesting. It's yeah. Well, it's. Have it's you brewed story. one with those before? Worth a try. Uh, no, I've actually never heard of Bobak. Neither okay. have I. That's that's a new one to me. But that, Goldings and Cascade are fairly uh, fairly common. Fairly Cascade common. especially. Yes. Uh, oh, and Twinkies are coming back, guys. Yes. Oh. Twinkies Boy. and other Hostess snacks are due to be back on shelves this summer after Apollo Global Management and Metropolis and Company bid $410 million for the business. Let's really ask ourselves for a second. Was it really worth that much? Yes. Yeah. $410 million. Have you seen how fat America is? Like, there's, do they really, how much do they sell a year? Have you ever had a little Debbie? Snowballs. I've had, I've had Twinkies and I've had little Debbie stuff. Snowball, ding dongs. Then you know it's worth it. Oh, all right. Zombie land. And there's only, even I get sick after a couple Oatmeal cream pies. Even I get sick. Yeah, those are little Debbie. Those aren't, uh, it's not like a bad whiskey where if you have too much, Uh you never go for it again. Um, That's true. Like, hmm. You're right. Fuck it. I don't like Hostess. Wait, no, zebra cakes? Are those Little Debbie? No, yeah, those are Little Debbie. Those are Little Debbie. All the uh, good stuff comes from Little Debbie. Yeah, yeah, Nutty Bars? The only thing fucking... I hate those. Oh, the only thing... How do you hate Nutty Bars? They're just disgusting. You have no soul. You can't hate them. I've been told that before. <laughs> That's because you're a robot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I guess I don't care about Hostess. Playing Hostess. Nobody likes Hostess. That's true. All right, the Catholics have a new pope. Pope Yay. Francis, born Jorge Bergoglin. He or no no Bergoglio. Uh, he was born Jorge. That's all that matters. Was elected George. on the thirteenth. He is Pope number two hundred and sixty six. Once again, the Pope is not black. <laughs> Do you because because it would drive away everybody. Yes, it would not end well. I and guess. he's not Jewish. I don't understand that. I feel well, like he'd steal all this stuff in the cathedral. Really? Be like bitches. <laughs> you see him running out. Well, you know they they do put up white smoke when they've elected the pope. Just saying. Uh. <laughs> Instead of having the little like, like uh, piece of bread, you have waffles instead. <laughs> waffles and chicken. <laughs> Watermelon <It's> wine. <laughs> I might actually go to church. Watermelon food swarm. <laughs> Oh, wow. Uh, so, yeah, he's, he's Pope number 266. Do you think they're going to skip Pope 666? 
I don't know. We have a long ways to go before that happens. Yeah, but you know the Catholic Church is going to endure. At this rate, probably about 600 years. <laughs> yeah. They won't, like, they won't skip it because they have faith. No. They keep getting really old people to be Pope, so it might not be that long. I don't. Some of them live for fucking ever. Yeah. And they, they always keep going. They won't like, stop. 90% of them look like the emperor. Like this last pope, he was the last one to actually step down and not die <laughs> yeah. in the last 200 well, years or some shit. That's because he was facing criminal charges. Yeah, like, yeah. The law has finally caught up with the pope. <laughs> well, it's about damn, damn time. I like, am the mouth of God, and you're going to go to jail. <laughs> you cannot put the mouth of God on the dicks of children, just saying. And apparently even this... Ah. <laughs> I... I I knew there was something there. I was waiting for someone to take it. <laughs> and I heard that the, even this current Pope has a shady background. Yeah. Damn shady people. All right. Uh, good old Vladimir Putin has decided to reinstate the physical fitness program that was put in place by Mr. Stalin. He announced that this at an event where he appeared with Steven Seagal because nothing says, hey, this isn't like communism, than showing up with a guy whose job it is to kick communism in the face in movies. Steven Seagal is really he's fat, also, though, isn't he's he? He's also a cop. <laughs> <laughs> he has that show. Steven Seagal's, like, his strategy, I've seen a movie, it's not where he, he doesn't go around punching everybody. He, like, slowly steps all the way and just moves them slightly and they fall over. <laughs> He doesn't want to hurt them with his Steven Seagal feet. He's a peaceful man. Yeah, but can you imagine being a citizen of Russia and then your president comes on and they're like, oh, you know this thing that Stalin did? You know, it wasn't half a bad idea. Let's do that. And you're just like, oh, fuck, here we go again. (laughs) Well, to be fair, just because someone's a bad guy doesn't mean all of his ideas are inherently evil. Yes, let's bring back the gulag, too. Well, why not? (laughs) No, they did. It's called the secret gulag. You know, that Mussolini, he was, you know, he was a great, you know, he, he had some problems, but damn, did those trains run on time. That, oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Talk about Same punctuality. Same about Hitler. <laughs> uh, speaking of Hitler, no. uh, Ewald Heinrich von Kleist has passed away this week at 90 years old. He was a lieutenant in the German army in 1944. He was part of two failed assassination plots on Adolf Hitler. Was he, was, he in the Was he in the damn. movie Valkyrie? He was not in the movie, but he was part of the real Valkyrie plot. Like, so, he, well, I mean, like, the, did they have like somebody playing his role? His role person? Yes. All right. Yep. So, and was what, it the person with the one eye? No, it wasn't. Tom he Cruise. was like, uh, and like at one point he wore like a suicide bomb vest, but apparently he was too much of a pussy to pull the trigger or something. I don't yeah. Know. So, what did he do wrong? I mean, how did they fail? Uh, well, the Valkyrie one, he and Hitler just wasn't there. I don't know oh. about the second one. At least he tried. I suppose. Well, you know who else tried? Everybody on Everybody the other side. Else. <laughs> like, yeah, he he was close, but close only counts with hand grenades and nukes. Yes. A Chicago woman is suing McDonald's because her dipshit child found and ate a used condom <laughs> in the McDee's play area. <laughs> I thought it was going to be, like, in the food. No, in the play (laughs) area. They are seeking at least $50,000 in damages. What the fuck? This bubblegum tastes funny. What did this condom do to the child? (laughs) Nothing. Didn't the kid find it in a ball pit, too? Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, it's... Your kid is dumb. (laughs) This is not McDonald's' fault. And they're like, well, they should have had cameras to find the lewd axe. 
it's not their fault that people are sexing it up in the ball pit. No, you drop the condom in there. It's like I'm not going to dig around the ball pit. Yeah, <laughs> they're all full of semen now. <laughs> it's obviously that. No, no kid is going to eat this. Don't go in there with the black light. Sounds like it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just trying to picture this. Like this little rubber thing full of stuff. How does that look appetizing to anyone or any? How did the kid? Well, find it has it? a surprise in the center. No, <laughs> kids pick up everything. That's no, it's no surprising. Everything. In a whole ball pit, it manages to find the, the one use condom. <laughs> I'm thinking that there's more than one in there. <laughs> or it was meant to be. It's true. I guess I guess instead of a needle in a haystack, it should be a condom in a ball pit now. Obviously those uh creepy Probably people, easier. Obviously they were doing something during closing time. Fifty thousand dollars? No, just raise your child properly. <laughs> just tell your kid not to stick every little thing they find <laughs> tell in them. the outside world in their mouth. Yeah, just tell just them no. Like, Carlos. He's going to have an interesting childhood. <laughs> Just a little bit. Well, he's already working on the taste for semen. Oh, he so. already has that. Well, no, see, the, the bad thing is, is it doesn't matter who he makes fun of or how bad the burn is. Everyone can just be like, you yeah, ate a least, condom. You, you ate a used condom from a wall pit. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, are you dumb. <laughs> a Texas beer bill is finally on its way to the Senate. If passed into law, breweries will be able to sell beer on site and brew pubs will be able to package and sell beer in stores, bars, and other restaurants instead of just on their own premises. Studies show that if the law passed, it could add 52,000 jobs and a $5.6 billion brewing industry by 2020. I can easily see that. Yeah. I mean, but that's a shit ton of jobs, right? Yeah. I'd work that job. Yeah. I would, too. I would, too. It'd be a fun job. Well, depending on, like, if you're just stuck on the bottling line the entire time, not so much. Yeah. Well, I mean, even in Wisconsin, they're working on the three-tier system and perfecting it. Like, uh, there's a lot of people trying to make it so that it doesn't matter how small of a brewer you are, you have to sell through a distributor. I hate the three-tier system. It's such bullshit. On the large scale, it works. On the small scale, it is specifically designed to, like, not let small people get further. You know, because all that's going to happen is, you know, I make my beer and then I give it to a distributor who will never tell anyone about it with some no name that no one's ever going to ask about. And consequently, no one's ever going to buy it. No yeah. one's ever going to sell and drink. Well, and like if, if a brewery is able to self-distribute to especially local businesses where, you know, they can they can drive into this bar and be like, you know, I'd like to do a tap take over here. What's it going to take? Mm-hmm. You know, so they can get their beer into local bars, and people will support a local product. I mean, look at Rush River. Yeah. I mean, if you talk to most people in River Falls, they'd be like, oh, do you drink Rush River? And they'd be like, yeah, it's local. Ah. Yeah, same with American Sky. It's everywhere in Hudson. Yep. Some places River Falls, too. I know you guys carry it at Divine. We do. It's good stuff. We go there pretty much every weekend. Me and Jen yeah, do. I, you know, I like the beers that they have on tap there. I don't care for tail, tail Gunner or Same what's here. the other one? There's Amber Salute, and then they also have an IPA. Yeah, they're yep. Tail Gunner Gold and Amber Salute. I don't care for either of those. But no, the ones that they have on tap are much more interesting. Yeah. Yeah, they have um, usually a different one each week. Yeah. and There's a lot I mean, of stouts coming out of there, too, so the, I'm happy about that. And they're good beers. Yep. Mm-hmm. But they I have dig- weird hours. They're only open to like, 5 or 7. Well, it's like 4 to 8, yeah. Thursday, Friday, okay. Saturday, I think. Something like that. But, you know, a lot of tasting rooms like that have weird hours. It's, I don't understand. Well, Be I mean, open all night long. They should. 
I don't know. I have no there, idea. There's probably some sort of beer law that I just don't know about. <laughs> All right. Uh, Michigan has passed a bill that prevents the president from executing the indefinite detention provisions of the National Defense Authorization Act inside its borders, which is pretty cool because it's a state standing up for itself. Um, like, yeah, the NDAA, which is the that, that act, like basically gave the president the ability to be like, you, you're detained indefinitely. Right? Okay. I remember correctly. It's been a while since I've read that <laughs> Anything. One, but... Did he have to have a reason? I'm just curious. Or did he, just say uh, he, he could have said Homeland Security. You know, if I was president, I would just try, try it out. Like, all of Texas. Carlos, if you were... NDAA. <laughs> all of Texas. Yes. Just see what happens. You would not be impeached at all. Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't say it would last very long. Or, or that I would be a very good president in the first place. Carlos, you'd be the worst president. Unless I was able to be your, uh, your like head of state, or you know, and you know, in your cabinet, I, I think I could give you job. some sort of important position. Yeah, I wouldn't mean I wouldn't mind being I'll the be guy in treasurer. the kitchen making beer. <laughs> no, I, I want to be in charge of all the money. I think I think that's a good job. Yeah, that for sounds me. like a good idea. That <laughs> that could not possibly backfire on me. In hey, any way. everyone I, lets me be in charge of the bank and Monopoly. Of course, I win a lot, but that I has nothing to do. Are, are you talking about stealing from the government? No, I wouldn't do that. That's wrong. He just gets these free bonuses for just <laughs> no, out yes. nowhere. I, mean, I I just get bonuses for doing a really good job every day. As far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. what goes around comes around. <laughs> They steal from us all the time. All right. Well, I believe it is time for our weekly urination break. So I only take one a week. Uh, only one, and it's so in the middle of the show. Make it, make it, make it count. Yep. Right. So I should probably queue up the break. I'll do other things in there too. Blind Ninja Studios presents Soundwave. If you love music, join us every Thursday as we talk about music news, new releases, and weekly themes that you can participate in. Check our Facebook for more information. Yo. And we're back. Oh, wow. Look at that. Bladders are empty. Beers are full. We should be good to go, right, guys? Should Should be. be. Just don't spill. So we're doing another homebrew episode. This week, we're going to talk about packaging, uh, specifically bottling and kegging. Yes. We have a few people, well, you know, Spencer and Pete are... At different stages in their homebrew lives right now. I'm a noob. Are you noob too, Spencer? Spencer's yeah. looking at getting right into on. it. Think about Pete, it. Pete has done one or two batches of cider? Uh, two batches of cider. Two batches of cider. Okay. Oh, so you guys should be able to give some better questions than, you know, Carlos or me or well, Miles. Carlos. Although a cider's a good way to start it because it's so easy. It's so simple. So yeah. simple. Speaking of ciders, how's that... Uh, Cider Boy's treating you, Spence. Delicious. It's really good. Yeah. Which one do you have there? The, uh, it's the Magic, magic Apple. Apple. Apple Strawberry. That's fantastic. It's really good. Yeah, when we reviewed that, I think that one got like the most, the best reviews. Yeah. Yeah, I dig it. My only problem with it is it, it tasted a little uh, dry, a little too dry for me. But you know what? Bit, if, if I was given a choice, I'd rather a, a drier cider than a sweeter one. Yeah, yeah same thing. No, here. definitely. But I liked the apple cinnamon just a little bit better. Yeah. Well, one of the things I really, really like about the Cider Boys is it's not – I mean, it has the right amount of sweetness without, without falling into the syrupy category. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Like um, the, the definition of woodchuck. Yes. <laughs> well, no, most woodchuck. The Granny Smith is different. The Granny Smith is – Yeah. 
Uh, Super good. But, I mean, as far as ciders go, like, Woodchuck is at the bottom. And yeah. then um, the, the next up would probably be the Sam Adams one, uh, Angry, Angry Orchard. Orchard. And then after that, I think Cider Boys is the best on the market right now. It's fantastic. Yeah. I really Cider like Boys it. is really, really good. But, yeah, moving on to <laughs> bottling and kegging. I think we're going to tackle bottling first. Bottling seems like a thing we should talk about. Bottling is uh, the biggest mainstream for home brewers. Okay. Uh, it's probably the easiest for the most part. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's the hardest to fuck up because you get 50 chances per batch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you can't figure it out by the end of the first one, you're hopeless. <laughs> and it doesn't take up that much space. Yeah. I so. mean, kegging can take up some space, but we'll get yeah. into that in a bit. So the first thing when you're talking about bottling is you need to know what equipment you need to bottle. Yes. Uh, you, I mean, you don't need a lot, but the biggest thing, you're, you're going to need a bottling bucket. Which, which is, pretty much comes with a homebrew kit. Yeah, which is basically a plastic bucket with a spigot on it. Yeah. Uh, you're going to need what's called a bottling wand. And I guess you don't technically need a bottling wand. You could do it without it. Yeah. But it'd be but really hard. It, what is a bottling wand? A bottling wand, it's a uh, piece of plastic tubing about a foot long. Yeah, right? about. Uh, with this little end cap on it that has like this little spring-loaded... Uh, nipple on it. Yeah. Spring-loaded yeah. nipple. Yes. And so when you push it into the bottle, bottom of the bottle, it opens the valve, and so beer can flow into it. Yep. And so as soon as you pull up, it stops putting beer into the bottle. Yep. The, one of the simultaneous benefits is that you're able to fill the bottle from the bottom so that you're not sitting with half a bottle of foam. Yeah. It, it just fills up. Mm. Are there other methods besides a bottling wand? Yeah, I just use... Uh, regular tubing i've never bottled but uh, i mean i've transferred container to container not really considering the whole you know get as much in there with the least amount of bubbles as possible but i've just used a tubing with like a valve in the middle yep it's like four feet long yeah so. you can you can do that but a bottling wand will make your life so much easier because you don't have yeah. to worry about twisting and, that valve. and, and honestly okay. when it comes to as much benefit as you get from something that costs three bucks it is wholly and completely worth it. You should yes. never go with. Yeah, it's, it's cheap. It's like getting an auto siphon. Yeah, it's one of the first things you should buy. It's yeah. Like I know that when, when we bottle, like it, we do fifty bottles in like less than four minutes. Four minutes. Four minutes. That, that, we do. We do. <laughs> <laughs> that that seems a little ridiculous. But no, what? for the most part, you should be able to get it done in about ten or fifteen minutes. Oh, yeah. well, if you know it. I mean, if, I, you, if you know what you're doing. I it was like four minutes. I guess I... No, last you, time, you, last you time, are terrible estimating well, time. Or you're <laughs> just really God. drunk although, every time we bottle. Although the last time we did it, though, it didn't take longer because we didn't have all the bottles ready yet. <laughs> so. No, yeah. No, last time we were doing it, we were sanitizing, delabeling, or we were delabeling, washing, sanitizing, bottling, and capping. All, like we had, we had three people going. It was yeah. a nice little thing. Yep. But. I suppose this brings us to bottles then. Well, we're, we're getting there. So, yeah, you have your bottle, bo- bottling bucket, your bottling wand, and then you need your bottles. Yes. You can buy bottles uh, empty and clean like a brewery would. Yep. Or the better option is you can buy them full of beer. And drain them yourself. Yep. Into your mouth. Which is uh, pretty much a standard practice by most home yeah. brewers these days. Because you can write it off as research. Yep, exactly. <laughs> oh. R&D. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, there, there are some bottles you need to look out for. Um, any of your European bottles 
Well, mm-hmm. some of them will have different sized uh, caps. Caps, so you can't oh, use okay. your standard bottle caps. And some of the you don't 750s. Want, yep, some of the 750s. You don't want to use anything that has a twist off because they're more brittle, and so you have a higher chance of breaking the bottle when you're trying to cap it. And just possible leaking or yeah. the the cap coming off and and stuff. Yeah, they're stuff not like meant that. to be reused, so yeah. don't see. don't use those. So what about the label? I know on these Guinness bottles, the label is plastic. You can peel that off pretty easy. But what about these paper ones? It so leaves a bunch of shit there, on there. There's a few ways to do it. Um, one of my favorite ways is to just fill a sink full of water, of soapy water or sanitized water, and just dump the bottles that you want to uh, de-label in there and just leave them for a day. Yeah. Or you can fill like a tub with like PBW or some, or like OxyClean or something. And just as you finish bottles, you can just chuck bottles and- in there. And some labels come off easier. Like new Glarus labels come right off. Yeah, which is nice. Yeah, no. the The more you like delabel bottles, you'll be like, okay. So I need to pick up some Rush River because those come off like nothing else and don't leave any residue. And I need to stay away from Sam Adams for a couple of weeks because those <laughs> yep. bottles are a bitch. Are they? Yeah, uh, I guess the one thing I've found is like a Brillo pad or a steel mm-hmm. wool or something like that will, for the most part, take off any label. It's it doesn't little... scratch the glass at all. No, it not, that way? not really. No, you don't. Okay. And like, you don't really need to worry about. Like, you can leave the labels on there. Yeah. Uh, delabeling is more for if you're looking at entering any competitions and stuff. Uh, personal aesthetics and yeah, like the bottles yep. have to come out perfect. It just it has... really doesn't. It just needs to like. I don't know. I just don't like having labels on mine. Yeah, same here. When I, I've i never bottled, but when I do, I don't want to have a, somebody else's label sitting on there. Yeah. I just want it to be a glass bottle, and that's it. Not be able to tell that it yeah, came from it, somewhere else. If it's not proof that it's yours, at least have it not be proof that it's someone somebody else's. Else. Right. <laughs> exactly. Okay, yeah. And then uh, after you put the beer in the bottle, you need a capper. Yep. Uh, the most common capper you're going to find is like the wing capper. Yep. It you know either black or red. It's a like it has two handles on it. It's a manual capper. You just stick it on there and you pull the two handles down, and it'll cap the beer for you. Yeah. The, um, uh, the like the more expensive version is the bench capper, and that looks like if you've ever seen a, uh, like somebody corker. a wine corker or somebody who hand loads ammunition, it you know has like a big handle and you just pull it down. Yep. Yeah. You know, like a so, big stamper or whatever. Mm-hmm. So what about caps? Where do you guys get the caps? Uh, caps are really easy to come by. Any homebrew supply shop will have them. Uh, you can buy like you can buy them in bulk. You get a you know you usually get hundred two hundred at a time. You usually get them in a gross. Yeah, for pretty cheap. Are they? Yeah, it's like two ninety nine for a hundred and fifty or something. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's yeah, they're bad. they're not expensive. They're not expensive at all. Plus. Having extra caps around is really nice. Like, if you get, like, a bomber of something, and you're like, oh, shit, I can't quite finish this now, and you want it to last just a little bit longer, you can cap it, stick it in the fridge for later that evening. Yep. It's a thing I've done multiple times. And then, uh, just a note for most people who are considering getting into home brewing, a lot of these supplies we're talking about come with the homebrew kit that you would get. Yes. So, um, that would include the bottling bucket, the bottling wand, um... And then depending on which recipe kits you get, uh, some of them come with the caps that you yep. would use, yeah, too. Yeah, the, the Brewer's Best uh, kits. I Every time I get low on bottle caps, I buy a Brewer's Best kit. Yep. Then I get a brew of beer, and I get caps. Yep. All right. That I won't, like, I, I only I only bottle 6 to 12 out of every batch, so, like, a bag of caps will last me forever. But 
Yeah. So, you know, good way to brew and then get caps. And then you need, obviously need a siphon hose to take your beer from the bucket to the wand to the bottle. Mm, just your stand, okay. just, just whatever hose you're using to transfer vessels. You can just use that. All right. Yeah, hoses are pretty universal in home brewing. Yep. Yeah, and so, like, the process of bottling is, it's fairly simple, yet there's some steps that can trip people up. The first thing you need to do is you need to wash and rinse your bottles. Everything. Well, yeah, everything, but specifically when you're talking bottling, you need to wash and rinse your bottles. Yes. Um, some people use the dishwasher. If you take it, if you just run it on, you know, like the sanitation setting, I'll get it nice and like all the bottles nice and clean. Just make sure they're delabeled before you run them through the dishwasher. Otherwise, you can clog up the works. That's yeah. no fun. No. Don't want to do that. No. Uh, otherwise, yeah, just uh, delabel them. And then what I do is after they're delabeled, I throw them into a bucket full of sanitizer. And then they're ready to go as soon as I need them. Yep. And then uh, there is extra equipment you can, you can get. It's called a uh, bottle tree, which is, it, I don't know how to how to describe it. But what you do is it's a stand that you can put the bottles on. They stand pretty much upside down so that they can drain into something and then be dry yeah. and ready for use. It looks like a fake Christmas tree. Yeah, I oh, suppose. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I might have seen those before. Yeah, and you yep. just like, it has a bunch of uh, like, you know, arms that come out and you just put bottles yep. on the end of the arms. Kind of like do, they do in the laboratories and stuff to put yep. like flasks and everything yep. like yeah. that on. I've seen those. Yep. Yep, they're useful. They're nice. They're fun. The only problem with them is if you get one, they're really hard to store because they don't collapse and they're big and they're just, they're awkward. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. They're just awkward. So I don't know. Uh, Then you need to, as soon as you've finished like washing and sanitizing your bottles, you need to uh, prepare what's called a priming solution. Yes. And that's basically sugar and water. That's going to give your yeast enough food to carbonate to the level that you want them to be at. So when your beer is finished fermenting, uh, it's going to be, you know, attenuated at wherever it's going to be. And, like, the yeast have eaten all the sugars that they can eat. Yep. Uh, What it means is when fermentation is done, all the food for the yeast is gone. And when yeast eat food, it gives alcohol and carbon dioxide, the carbon dioxide being the point for this... And then right before they go into the bottle, you give it just enough food so that when it eats it inside the bottle, it creates just enough carbon dioxide to make the carbon dioxide in the bottle perfect. Miles has better words than me. Makes it fizzy? <laughs> yes. Yes, it makes, makes it, it fizzy. In a bottle. Makes it fizzy. Yeah, so there's, there's a bunch of different equations out there. Um, I I don't know if you have any of the equations prepared or uh, I do not have any of the equations prepared. Uh, one thing I can say is that the brewer's best equip or recipe kits all come with a standard five ounce package of sugar for bottling, and that's fairly standard. Yes. Um. More or less, you know, trying to use more or less than that is you know really kind of trying to be a perfectionist. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to make or break any any beer, really. No, uh, but you can use different things to uh, prime with. You can use instead of like table, like instead of you know, uh, like whatever. They Sorry, corn sugar is what's corn sugar, primarily yeah. used. Mm. Corn sugar is what's primarily used. You can use table sugar if yep. you don't have corn sugar. Yep, I believe uh, you end up you using a little. Sugar? 
right? Yeah, you can use pretty you much. You can it. use brown sugar. You can use honey. You can maple use, syrup. Uh, dry malt extract. You can use maple syrup. Yeah. Basically anything that's sugary. You Wait, can use. dry malt extract is actually sweet. Yes. <clears throat> I didn't realize that. I have a bag of it, have and you I ever just tasted haven't touched it? it. Nope. I thought it was not good. <laughs> no, I mean, like you can, if you taste any malt extracts, they're going to be sweet. Yeah, uh, you're looking for sugars when you when you're extracting stuff yep. out of malt. And then uh, one thing one thing to note is when you get a recipe, you end up with uh, syrups and powders for your extracts. The powders are what it, are what gives your beer alcohol, and the liquid, the syrup, is what's going to give it body texture, flavor, and color for the most part. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that is because I've read about that a little bit. Uh, people actually using, you know, liquid sugar instead of just like the dry stuff like I've been doing. Yeah. I haven't used water, though. Um, what does the water do when you put it what, in with the sugar? Uh, that is just to dissolve the sugar. Yeah. So basically oh, okay. what, what what you want to do is you want to bring your your water up to a boil, then add the sugar, and that sanitizes everything. Because, I mean, at this point, sanitation is key. You yep. want everything to be nice and sanitized. Mm-hmm. And if you dissolve that sugar, it's going to be able to be dispersed through the beer a lot better than if you just, like, dumped a bunch of sugar in there. Mm-hmm. That's Yeah, that's what I've done. I've just poured the sugar right in. Yeah, which... I'll have to try that. Yeah, it, it's not going to get as, di- like, evenly dispersed. Yeah, and that's uh, that would be the biggest issue. You can have uh, certain bottles that got more sugar, and in this case it would probably be the earlier bottles because sugar would sink to the yeah. bottom. Um, then, then with the later bottles, and you'd get a lot of variability. Uh, the strategy we're talking about today is you would boil the water with the sugar in it, and then you'd pour that in your bottling bucket first. Very carefully, like... The, the thing with pouring it into your bottling bucket is you don't want to, like, just dump it in there. You want to just kind of, like, pour it in there. Like, like you'd pour in a beer into a glass, just kind of at an angle, because you don't want a whole bunch of oxygen in that water. Uh, just because any oxygen you get into the beer at this point can be detrimental to the flavor quality. Yes. But yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you'd, you'd pour it in. Uh, you pour it into the into the bottling bucket. And then, at this point, you double-check and make sure the valve on the bottling bucket is closed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm guessing you've had a run-in with that a time or two. Let's say it's more often than I'd care to admit. (laughs) (laughs) Wet feet are no fun, especially when it's wet with beer. So maybe uh, you might want a mop, too. (laughs) Yeah, so, and it's usually clearly marked on there, closed and open. Yeah. By clearly marked, I mean it's on the inset thing in the same color as the valve, so you have to, like, squint at it. Oh, uh, so you need glasses. Yes. Yeah. I put, see. Put that on your list of necessities. <laughs> now, uh, what I usually end up doing is for sanitizing the bottling bucket itself, all the way up until the beer and the sugar go into it, we will have an amount of sanitizer fluid in there. Yeah. And then we'll drain it out real quick, dump it out, and then everything else goes in. And by then, you should be able to figure out whether or not it's open or closed. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh yeah, pretty much. That's that's pretty much how we work too. Mm-hmm. We just keep everything sanitized up until the point where we need it. Yeah, which is a good practice overall. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, at this point, sanitation is key. You never want anything to be unsanitized at this point because. And this includes your hands. <laughs> definitely your hands. Anything your hands touch need to like. If your hands aren't like, it's not. 
super like as long as you're not touching the bottling wand where it's going into the the bottle, it's not super important. But just sanitize your hands every once in a while. Just make sure that stuff is good. Don't yeah. just dip your hands in the beer. Don't do that. Ever. No, 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 <laughs> ever, ever. Don't ever do that. If you drop something in the beer. Let it be there let until it it's it's done. Yeah, <laughs> like, just let it sit there. Yep. You know, have it'll be okay. Beer. Yes, yes. You have no choice. All right. So yeah, as soon as you've put the beer into the bottling bucket, you can start filling the bottles. Yep. So you you just attach the siphon hose and the bottling one to that spigot, open it up, and start filling bottles. Uh, the thing with bottle filling bottles is you want to fill it uh, basically up to the lip of the bottle. Yep. And then when you pull out the bottling wand, you're going to have basically just enough headspace in there. Yeah. Because too much headspace, you're not going to get the carbonation levels you're looking for. Mm hmm. Yeah. I, I, I thought Miles had something. No, sorry. I, sorry. No, I, I feel like I'm just it, dominating. I'm nodding here. a lot. <laughs> no, Mr., do okay. you have any questions? Well, so far? to be fair, that, that concept nope. is fairly straightforward. Yeah, I guess. Yes. He didn't have anything to disagree with you there. Darn it. Well, I'm going to start throwing out misinformation just because. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love misinformation. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, then after that, you can just uh, cap the bottles. Make sure you sanitize your bottle caps as well. Yep. I We get a bowl with sanitizer water and just pull the caps out of that. Yep. Um, and then one thing I tell a lot of people is bottling should be a two-person job. I agree. It, it really, really should. Uh, working by yourself, you're just trying to be in about three or four places at the same time, and you're more prone to make mistakes or have difficulty, you know, trying to streamline the process. If you have a second person, you can actually get the whole thing done in 15, yeah. 20 minutes. Well, and one way to streamline the process if you're doing it by yourself is to take a short, like, two or three inch piece of tubing. Connect that to the uh, to the spigot, and then connect the bottling one straight to that. So it's a nice like, so it's not bendy and on the ground. Mm-hmm. And then you can just take the bottle, put it up to the bottling one, and pull it out when you're done, and cap it right there. Oh, I like that. I've never yeah. thought of that. Yeah, if it and you have to, you know, I mean, you have to have it up on a counter or something or yep. a table. But that way, you can base it. You can do it. You can fill it one handed, and then just cap right away. And then just kind of a note to people, you will have uh, an amount of beer that makes it to the floor and to wherever. So, And it towels, will make you cry. It will make you cry. Many but no, tears. Uh, seriously, though, towels. Yeah. I have a couple of towels. Hand- oh, yeah, no, you're, you're going to spill. Like, if you're doing it in the kitchen, you're going to have to mop afterwards. It's yeah. just a thing that's going to happen. Yeah, it, you can't avoid it. And don't trust the cardboard six-pack carriers that you're putting your bottles in or the 12-pack because as soon as you do, you're going to lift it up and all the beers are going to fall out of the bottle because <laughs> they're going to be wet. Especially if you've uh, used them for a couple brews. Yes. Yes. They will fall out of the And if they start getting moldy and... Now, I have, I have a question here. If you guys ever brew just like a... Have you ever brewed just a single gallon of brew or cider? I have not. I have one that's fermenting right now. Are you planning to bottle that one gallon? Yes. How many bottles uh, will you be able to get? Uh, out I'd probably get somewhere between five or six. Okay. So I'd probably end up with five whole bottles and then like half or two-thirds of a bottle after that. Okay. So one of the ways to look at it is your average five-gallon batch gives you roughly two cases of beer. Uh, it's supposed to be 52. But 48 to 52 bottles. 48 to 52 bottles. Get. So right around two cases for, you know, 50 bottles, five gallons. You can expect about, you know, 
10 bottles a gallon. Yeah, no, it's the the only reason I haven't done a single gallon is because I can do a single gallon or I can do five gallons and it'll take just as much time. It yeah. costs me about the same amount. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons I started doing it was because um, my buddy has written 50, 60, 70 recipes and the vast majority are untested that we're probably not going to devote five gallons worth of resources yeah. to. And so we can test them out. You know, for like 15 bucks to mm-hmm. make one gallon. Makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, for, for people just starting out, I'd suggest, like, especially if you're using pre written recipes or buying kits, I definitely suggest just going the five gallons because you're really not going to be disappointed and you're going to spend about as much time brewing those five gallons instead of the one gallon. And let's be honest, if you spend, you know, four hours making a beer, and then, you know, another couple of weeks fermenting it, and you only have six bottles to show for it. That'd be kind of sad. You're going to be a little disappointed with it yourself. It would be sad, but there would be a lot of love in, in those six bottles. bottles. <laughs> well, no, it, unless, uh, unless they turned out bad. No, it, that it too. <laughs> it's not just that, but at the same time, you're looking at doing a lot of extra work trying to scale down recipes. Yeah. Because in reference to home brewing, virtually everything is written in five-gallon increments. Yep. Um, that's hop additions, grain bills, uh, fermentation, size, bottling, everything. Everything is written in five-gallon recipes unless it says otherwise. So, yeah, five gallons is your number. Yeah. All right. And so, yeah, after you've capped the bottles, stick them in a night, like... Cool, dry. Cool, dry. You're looking at 60 to 70 degrees is where you want them to be for, you know, a couple of weeks. And then they'll be carved and good to go. The the standard waiting time is right around two weeks. Yeah. One to two. I mean, if it's a little bit warmer, it's going to be faster. A little bit cooler, it's going to be a little bit slower. Hmm. So... It all depends on temperature, yeast and temperature, man. That's that's yep. all there is. So is that the same with brewing, too? What temperature is that? Yeah. Uh, it, well, that depends on what kind of beer you're going for and what kind of flavors you're looking at. Yeah. We're going to do an entire episode just on fermentation because it's mm. such an in-depth. Right. Although I do have a question as far as the one-gallon batches. Like you say you have – since everything is set up for five-gallon batches – what do you do with yeast? Like, the, if you have like liquid yeast or stuff like that, or do you have to like get like smaller amounts of it? No, you don't. Honestly, you can probably put in the same amount of yeast for a five gallon as you would for a one gallon, or maybe half. Um, the one thing that you really wouldn't need to do is uh, any legitimate yeast starter. Uh, the exception being with dry yeast, always get that started with at least some lukewarm water. But um, for regular five gallon batches. The thing you worry about is whether or not the, you know, what they give you is going to be quite enough. It's it's really hard to overpitch. It's really easy to underpitch. Yes. All right. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, you want billions of yeast cells for a five-gallon mm-hmm. and just millions for a one-gallon. Because I was wondering like, if you only use, like, part of the packet then or... You probably could. Uh, you're, you'd be... Because like could, I don't th- that's I you'd would be that- saving yourself a dollar fifty. Well, like, like I was, well, I was thinking like is that even, <laughs> like if you had like the liquid yeast is that even something that you could reuse? Like could you reseal it and use you, it later? Yeah, you you can. Well, there's there's entire processes about uh, using reusing yeast. Yeah, and, uh, and stuff but like, like what you're asking, Carlos, can you pour in half the vial and then re then like reseal it and stick it back in the fridge? You cannot. All right, you're like. 
especially if you're using a smack pack or a white labs vial, you are going to pitch it or not pitch it. There's no in between. Yeah. See, that's why I assumed like you're yeah. you're gonna either use it all. I was yeah. just curious. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's that's bottling. Do you guys have any questions about bottling before I move on? Nope. Did that make sense, Spencer? Yeah, it did. Okay. Okay. Do you feel informed? Yeah, I mean, once I eventually decide to do it, I'll have to yeah, it, it'll reference make more it again. Sense. But. Yeah. All right. Uh, now let's talk about my favorite subject: kegging. kegging. At, like, all right. Well, first of all, kegging is once you're a home brewer, that's that's all you think about is I want to get my beer in kegs because nothing is more badass than walking to your you know to your kegerator and pulling a nice fresh pint of brew. Ice cold off of your own motherfucking Especially tap. if your kegerator is badass looking like ours. Yes. Our yes. blue box. Blue box. It's, it's the best feeling in the world, just pulling a nice beer off of it your is. own tap. It is. So, yeah, uh, you're going you're gonna to look at kegging. And the way most home brewers keg is slightly different than the way uh, commercial brewers keg. Yes. We keg in five-gallon soda kegs called Cornelius kegs. There's two different types. There's Pinlock and Ballock. And the only real difference between the two is the type of connectors that you use when you're carbonating and serving. Yeah. That's basically it. Yep. So um, I I guess I'll, I will just add a disclaimer before we get into the rest of this. Kegging is awesome, but it is an all or nothing venture. You don't like go halfway into kegging and expect to get the results you're looking for. You're going to be investing some money in this. Yeah. yeah. And once like first decide how many taps you want. Like I started with two and that's where I am now. And then the formula for how many kegs versus taps you have is N plus two, <laughs> where N is the number of taps you have. So if you have two kegs or I mean two taps, you want four kegs. Just because you're going to be swapping those out more often than you think. Yep. Like, today we had the unfortunate uh, incident where we kicked two kegs during the <laughs> during the course of the day. I was sad. Yeah, it, it was, was really sad. It was really sad. Luckily, both- I had two backup kegs because N plus two. Actually, I was really happy. Unfortunately, neither of those kegs were just as good as the previous one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm actually, I have N plus four. <laughs> that's because buying kegs is fun. Agreed. Nothing's quite like coming home and having the UPS man deliver you a keg. And you know, the kegs themselves aren't that bad. No. The kegs themselves, like 50, especially if you get them used, are yeah. like 50 45 to, to 50 bucks. Yeah. What are the what are they new? I'm just curious. Uh, about 150. It, yeah. That's not too much more, but like how good are they? What do you how, mean not too? It's 100 bucks more. Well, but you're getting new, but like how <laughs> how long are they good for? They're the same length, honestly. Yeah, forever. It, it's a big old thing of metal. I mean, it's whether or not it's clean and has a couple of dings in it. <laughs> yep. They're all weldless metal. Like, you, there's a keg is not going to go bad. No. And even if there's a few dings in it, doesn't matter as no, long as it's it, not compromised. It doesn't. it doesn't. Well, I'm just curious. Like, does it matter? Like, what was in it before? Like, I know we had talked to how uh, we. Had, I don't know if it was on the program. So, soda. We talked about yeah. Uh, okay. All right. So yeah, if you're using kegs for soda, uh, you need to replace all the O-rings. Mm-hmm. Anything plastic on the kegs needs to be replaced after you do soda in it. If well, you're going to switch back to it, beer, something that you should do is just whenever you get a, a keg. Uh, especially used, just get a new set of rings anyways. It's just like two, yeah. three bucks. 
Just do and it. And have a few on hand. Yeah. Be, for when it springs a leak, because it will. Eventually. It always happens. And No, and it always happens when you put a new beer in it. <laughs> Worst thing ever. Especially when it springs a leak in one of the posts, and it shoots all over in your kegerator. <sighs> I just and love it just, when it shoots all over, though. Well, yeah, but then you lose five gallons of beer inside of a box. <laughs> That's true. Anyway, all right, so equipment for kegging. Let's let's start at the top. Uh, you're going to need kegs. Kegs. Who who to thunk? Who to thunk? Uh, extra O rings. Yep. Always get those. You are going to need a CO2 tank, at least a five pound CO2 tank. Yep. How long is that? How do the how long do those uh, CO2 tanks last? Um, four, f- four or five batches, maybe. Uh, you can on a five pound, you can put about sixty eight kegs through. Like if you're it- not force carving. And if you have like one Sorry, of those, I'm assuming force carbon yes. at this point. And if you have like a five pound tank, like how long does? I mean, uh, not how long does it last you, but uh, how much does it cost to refill? Like fifteen bucks. Right. Yeah the the expensive part is the biggest metal thing the carbon yeah. dioxide is sitting in. Yeah, and, and w- once you do that, um, don't even get most... me started on the regulators. All right. Well, <laughs> and here's a hint for those of you uh, trying to purchase uh, five pound CO2 tanks: go on Craigslist, find a used one, cheap. And then just go trade it in somewhere that'll just trade you a full one, even if it's damaged. Because true. they don't check them That's before like, they exchange them, guys. Mm-hmm. You can't really do that with uh, uh, CO2 tanks with uh, paintball guns, right? No, no. But like these ones, they like they just do a straight-up exchange. Kind of like That's propane awesome. tanks. Yep. Where do you go for that? Uh, you're uh, a homebrewing store for the most you can, part. You can oh, go okay. to a homebrewing store. A I go up to the uh, welding supply store. In Hudson. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, basically, any place that sells CO2 should be able to do uh, exchange for tanks. Okay, so we have the, the kegs, the O-rings, the CO2 slash tank. Yep, you're going to need a regulator. Yep. Which regulates how much CO2 is going out to your kegs. It, it's basically the little dial that is attached to your CO2 yep. tank. Yeah, and it really depends, like, these regulators, you can get really simple ones that are just a single, you know, okay, this is how much is going out. You can get slightly more complicated ones, or yeah. you can get, like, it, ones honestly, that are fucking huge that have, like, you know, six dials on them that go to six different kegs. And Yeah, I don't know if that's truly necessary for beginners. No, somebody who's no, just starting, no. you just need how much is going out to those kegs. Yep. You need a tap, too, right? Yeah, we're getting there. You we're getting need, there. Well, there, there's there's two different ways you can go. You can go with what's called a picnic tap, which is what you're going to see at most kegger, keggers. It's just the plastic tap handle with the you know the long tube, so you can just stick your keg in a fridge, and those are really cheap. You can pick one up for like a buck fifty. Yeah, and it's really a simple way to go, especially it if is. you don't have a, a kegerator already set up. Yeah, so basically you could just stick the stick the keg in a fridge and just fill off of that picnic tap. Yeah, you just open up the fridge, fill your beer, and then close the fridge yep. and go about your day. The more expensive way is to go with the uh, shank and tap, which is what most bars do. Yep, they're they're basically the attachments that would go through the kegerator wall, and then instead of opening up, you just kind of pour it off the tap yep. like what you'd see at the bar. Yeah. And then you're getting the different types of faucets. Uh, you have forward sealing and back sealing faucets. Back sealing faucets are going to be the nice, cheap ones that you can get for 20 bucks, and what you're going to see at most bars. Mm-hmm. Um, the only forward sealing faucets I know are made by Perlick. And th- those are nice for homebrewers because, like, have you guys, as you guys have noticed with mine, uh, if I don't use them for a while, they freeze 
and they get stuck. Get a yank on that. Tree. Yeah, uh, forward ceiling, forward ceiling faucets don't get stuck like that. Plus, most of them have the nice uh, foaming feature where if you push back on the faucet, it'll also open, and it'll just uh, like it'll just open a little bit, so you'll just get a whole bunch of foam coming out, so you can put a nice head on your beer. So, uh, what about the taps that'll fill your uh, beer up with the CO two first? Like, flush it out with the CO two, so you can. Uh... Uh, that is uh, that's something different. That's not a tap. Oh, that's, that's a uh, that's a counter pressure filler. All right, that's like the Blickman beer gun. Yes, we'll get into that later. We'll get into that maybe. a little bit later. Maybe yes, <laughs> maybe. Okay, so we've done taps and shanks, uh, kegerators. I guess we can talk about those real quick. Yeah, and that's probably the biggest determinant on whether or not you should truly consider kegging. Yes. Though, I mean, kegerator prices have gotten down pretty well, where you can get a commercial kegerator and refit it for a for corny kegs pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, you can get those for like 100 150 bucks, looking in the right spot. Yeah. Uh, what I What I did is I took a chest freezer and put a wooden collar on it. And then I tapped it for four taps, and I just have two in there right now. Yep. But it works. Uh, the only thing you need to worry about doing it that way is you need to build a temperature controller, which is su- like it's not super complicated. But every time I plugged it in, initially I was worried I was going to burn the house down. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Well, because it's an electronic component that I built myself without any electronic <laughs> oh, training. Always be wary of those. <laughs> Let's be honest, electron- the electronic training in high school was not very good. No, but it worked. It worked. So, yeah, uh, that's, I mean, building your own kegerator, it feels good. But Yeah, and, and just let it be known, if you're not going to have a kegerator, do not keg. You will run, you, it'll just be ten times more trouble than it'll ever be It will be, because, I mean, you have to chill the beer somehow. And yeah. if you're trying to chill five gallons of beer in 30 minutes, it's not really going to work. Well, Unless you're using a jockey box. The, the the biggest concern is when you keg a beer and you tap it, you expect it to be at a certain temperature for the carbonation yep. with inside the keg. Because if you take a keg you know, out of the fridge, let it warm up, and then you try and tap it, it'll be nothing but foam from start to finish. Yeah. And you will never have any enjoyable beer. You'll hate it. It'll suck and just all sorts it of trouble. It will not be fun. No, uh, it won't. It, if, do you want to explain what a jockey box is? Yeah, I guess since I mentioned that was dumb of me. Anyway, uh, so a jockey box is I I use my jockey box like it's it's basically a box that you run beer line and beer line through a cold area and it comes out cold on the other end. So you warm you run warm beer into a cold box and then it comes out ice cold on the other end. I use mine for any summer parties or anything we have so I can bring kegs mm-hmm. and I don't have to keep the kegs cold because keeping kegs cold is a pain in the ass. Keeping beer lines cold, easy. Yeah, the the biggest thing, uh, keeping kegs cold, just have your kegerator. Yes, but if you want to travel with kegs, yeah. yeah so this box, how it, it's like kept super cold. It's like a, this ice cube. You just right. maintain this ice cube and this beer flows through and gets yeah, cold? Yeah, so like- what it is is it's a big metal plate at the bottom of a cooler that has two taps on it. And then I have like 20 or 30 feet of beer line in there, and then I okay. fill it with ice. Okay, I was picturing it would just like shoot right through, and it would have no time to even like get cold. So I was yeah, thinking, no, you know, how cold there's, does it have yeah, to be? Yeah, no, there's, there's 30 feet of line that it's going through. So and it's so- like, it's kind of like... Um, 
cooling systems for computers that people yeah, use. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of like Similar a liquid cool system. All right, cool. so the process of kegging, we should probably go into that a little bit since we've talked yeah, about yeah. how to serve. So, I mean, I guess there's uh, two ways you can approach it. One is going to be force kegging, and one is going to be keg conditioning, I guess, if that's what you want to call yeah. it. And uh, the the latter is what's going to save you more money on CO2 specifically in the long run because um, there's the whole idea we talked about in putting the sugar water for bottle priming before you put it in the bottles. You can do that exact same thing, and instead of putting the beer in bottles, you put it in the keg. So the keg turns into a giant bottle. Yeah, basically. And then you end up tapping from that. Um, The thing about that is you end up waiting just as long as you would for bottle priming um, upwards to two weeks. The alternative is forest kegging, where the beer goes in the keg, and you just pump it full of high-pressure CO2, and you can shake the fucker for all it's worth for a while and force it to absorb all the CO2, and you could technically be drinking beer within an hour. If it's cold enough. I was assuming some time to get it cold. Yeah. So, yeah, (laughs) basically, when you're force carving, you you give the beer time to chill, and then you crank up the CO2, and you shake it. You just... Like you take it out and you just do the Harlem shake with that shit. Yeah, except like, you don't you don't do it for just thirty seconds. You're talking yeah. like fifteen, twenty minutes of yeah. shaking. What what I do is I shake like if I'm force carving something, what I'll do is I'll take the beer, stick it in my kegerator, and crank up the CO two and then shake it until I hear the CO two start going into it again. And then I'll wait an hour and I'll just every hour on the hour, I'll just come shake it and then by the next day it's good to go. It's yeah. not the fastest way of doing it, but it's the least amount of time on my part. Yeah, and the least amount of effort. I mean, it can be quite a strenuous activity. Five-gallon kegs are quite heavy. Yeah. Good workout. <laughs> oh, yes. It, so, is a, it is a good workout. So what is the Harlem Shake you speak of? Yeah, I've never actually seen that, that'll it. That'll be a different internet episode. reference. Because okay. <laughs> internet's important, guys, right? That's a yeah. thing. Well, one would hope. I guess. Not important But you haven't seen know. the Harlem Shake yet? I've seen it. Okay. okay, I have not. Heard some kissing Some people have seriously. I I have not seen. You are behind the yet. times. I I don't want to see it. <laughs> I don't want to. It's like Friday. Why would I ever want to see that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I've I've seen Friday. Okay, but... sorry. I thought you were talking about the day, not the song. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I've 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 been to many a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So the process of kegging is basically going to be the same as bottling. You can I, – I like to utilize a bottling bucket if I am going to keg condition. I can see which that. Which is – yeah. Plus, I, I usually keg condition because I have so many kegs. Plus, I bottle some of the beer that I'm kegging. Otherwise, you can just take your siphon hose and go straight from your fermentation bucket to your keg. Yeah. Like you can skip the whole step there. Yep. <laughs> So kegging can uh, really expedite the whole brewing process by a couple of weeks. Yes. Um, The only thing to look out for when you're kegging is if you brew like seven-gallon batches or something and you're going to end up with like six gallons of beer, be careful uh, when you're filling the keg to make sure that you stop like at least an inch below the uh, CO2 intake line. Yep. Otherwise, you're going to have all sorts of problems. Yeah. Just bad everywhere. Uh, just kind of uh, what can end up happening is you can en- have beer go or back up into your CO2 tank. 
It's just bad. Yeah, that's all sorts of just terribleness. It can result in a lot of wasted time and money. Plus, beer everywhere. That That's not a joke either. He's talking everywhere. 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 That's a bad thing. Pressurized beer. Everywhere. Well, we're talking <laughs> walls, counters, floors, ceilings, everywhere. Yes. And, oh, another thing. If you're really drunk, don't let your friends leave your taps open. <laughs> <laughs> bad idea. Like I've had, I've had, you know, a quarter of a keg just emptied out onto the floor because somebody forgot to close the tap. Whoops! <laughs> like, <laughs> just gonna walk away from this <laughs> flowing, flowing liquid deliciousness the onto the floor. Someone else will be there real quick to. <laughs> that, that's a heartbreak. It really is. It's I didn't know this keg had a waterfall feature. <laughs> <laughs> this just goes back into that keg, right? Just onto the floor and back in. Okay, so there. I think there are a few things that should also be mentioned for people who aren't quite in the know. Uh, when it comes to kegging, uh, you have what's called a tap line, which is going to be the hose from your keg to the nozzle. And uh, something most people don't consider is the fact that that line should be long. And by long, I mean like six feet long. Or longer, depending or on... longer. So each... It, it gets super complicated because you have to look at each style of beer requires a different amount of CO2. And so if you're using the same regulator for two different types of beer, you need to adjust the lengths of those lines mm-hmm. to accommodate the like the, high, the higher volume one. Yep. And so like if you have a high volume line and a sh- like and a short or you know lower volume line, you need to have the so like if your if your high volume line is 6 feet long, you need, you know, 10 12 feet on the lower volume one. Yep. And and the reason behind that is, if you think about it, um, opening up a tap for a keg is basically taking this incredibly high pressure system, sometimes uh, you know upwards to twelve pound or psi, uh, and you're and you're basically giving it a hole, you know. And if you can just like imagine putting a hole in the side of your keg, that's going to be bad news bears. It's going to just spray all over the place, horrid, horrid, horrid mess. And so you give it this long, long tube with which to, you know, deal with that change in pressure from 12 PSI to, you know, regular not inside the keg pressures. And then you can, you know, that conversation will give you a beer that isn't pure foam or just spraying all over. Unless you really enjoy just a beer of foam. Yeah. Which I don't you understand might. you. Believe, believe it or not, there is uh, Pilsner or Quell is served that way sometimes. Just straight foam in straight the glass? Straight foam. You gotta let it settle for like a half an hour first, but no, 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 no. no I mean, you're supposed to drink the foam. You're you're supposed oh. to drink the foam. You get a cup. You get like this, you know, uh, about two millimeters of beer, and then three inches of foam. That and that's sound, how you're supposed to drink that, it. That sounds so bad. So bad. Why? Why? I, I'm not sure, but... I do not understand these still, words. And they still charge $6 a glass. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely they will. It's all in the pour. <laughs> all right. Uh, so I guess any... That's, I mean, that's kegging when it comes right yeah. to it. Um, I guess kind of just going off of my previous point, you really do seriously need to have all of this set up before you ever actually try kegging 
or you will regret it. Yes. And there's there's a lot of good resources online that you can read. Um, if you have any specific questions, please send them to us at feedback at blindindustudios.com or find us on Facebook and send us those questions. And we will answer them during our homebrew. Like, we're going to try to do a homebrew episode once a month just to kind of answer these questions because I've had a few people contact me and be like, so what do I do now? Yep. And for those who are local, uh, Divine Liquors, I work yes. there and I let everyone know uh, who is in home brewing or is considering it to use me as a resource. Yes. Please. Yes. Uh, so I guess before we move on at all, why don't we talk a little bit like why don't we have these two slightly inexperienced people just ask any questions about home brewing, see if we can answer those for you know, the next five or five or ten minutes. If, I mean, if, if you guys are cool with that. <laughs> I don't know if I have five, ten minutes worth of questions Well, no, here. Just, just ask, like, any question you can think of about homebrewing. Not even just bottling and kegging. Yeah, anything. just any, anything. any topic about homebrewing. Because I know Spencer is looking at starting. Like, he's just getting into the hobby. And Pete's done a couple of cider batches. So I'm sure you mm-hmm. guys have some questions that you've come across. You know, you're, you're going to be disappointed. I, I'm more of a hands-on person. Like, thinking about it now... I don't have any questions, but as soon as okay. I were to start up, I would probably have tons of questions. Okay. But like, do you have questions on like where to start or not right now? I okay. guess, but well, we'll, we'll get you next time. I'm sure Pete has a couple. I know. Well, I know Pete has a couple because we've talked about them. Yeah. There, as I talk about it more, more questions pop up. And like, as I go through it, you know, you, you have more questions as you go. But, uh, I guess for for Spencer, what I started with was basically just two gallon sized glass jars, some stops, some some bungs. They're called bungs, right? Yes. That yes. the stops go into. Um, all that cost me like forty bucks for just doing like cider, and that was pretty cheap for me. I was like, hell yeah, dude, this is like nothing. Yeah. But like when you start brewing beer, like how much does a kit like that cost? Uh, if you were to get everything from uh, Divine Liquors, uh, if you were to go for the bare minimum. You'd get the essentials equipment kit. That would be uh, $70. You'd need a pot. That would be $70. And then you need a kit, and that would be anywhere from 25 to $40. And then you'd be able to go home and you'd make beer. So the kit doesn't doesn't come with a pot? It does not. The pot okay. is the pot is sold separately. All right. And uh, one one thing I do let people know is if you have like a big old spaghetti pot at home or something, mm-hmm. um Anything that can legitimately boil around two and a half gallons of water safely, you can use that for home brewing. Yeah. And that would be about $70 that you can save. As okay. well, off the bat. Otherwise, uh, off the bat, yeah. yeah. Uh, another thing you can use, uh, turkey fryers. Every family has a turkey fryer that they've used once and then stuck in the garage. Yep. So you can definitely use that pot for brewing. Okay. And then uh, I, I guess the next thing to consider would be after you get the equipment kit and the pot, you're only looking at spending somewhere between 25 and usually $35 um, for recipes every time thereafter, and that's it. Okay, so for – let's say you're about to do five gallons. That doesn't you know, obviously produce five full gallons because you got to leave room in there for the – what is that foam called? Yeah, uh, Krausen. Okay. So how much does that cost to make about five gallons for you to brew five gallons of just like, let's say your pale ale that ran out earlier? Okay. Uh, well, that one was super cheap because it took two ingredients and it was all grain, slightly different. Okay. Um, yeah. So that one was 10 or 11 pounds of malt at about a mm-hmm. buck a pound. 
and then three or four ounces of of hops of hops at, at about, about two bucks an ounce. Yeah. So, so in the grand scheme, about of things, twenty bucks. About okay. twenty bucks after yeast and stuff too. Yeah. And that's and that's not bad at all. Yeah, no, for five gallons, that's not too bad. At no, all. yeah, and I mean that that was a seven gallon batch I brewed. One of the things I, oh, I end up telling okay. a yep. lot of my customers is that uh, there is the initial investment, which is somewhere between one hundred and seventy or two hundred and fifty dollars uh, for the first batch of beer you end up making, and roughly speaking, that ends up being a little over two dollars per bottle of beer that you make. Which, when you know, you consider going to the store, getting a mix and match six pack, that's not unrealistic. Yeah, it, it is a little on the pricier side. But then each batch after that like, drops down to like seventy five like, cents a bottle. Yeah, okay, right if around seventy five like, cents. And the quality of beer you end up getting, uh, by comparison to what you would have paid for it commercially, the entire thing starts paying for itself after about four or five kits. Yeah, okay, until you start just buying gadgets yeah because <laughs> that is a thing like if you get really into the hobby you are going you're going to buy stuff yes i mean miles goes with the you're going to save money angle i go with this hobby is going to take over your life angle and <laughs> well it, both are true yeah because i mean when it comes to equipment they're they're one-time expenses yeah well except for hydrometers Yes. Because you break those yep. all the time. Yeah, I, broke I don't. I put a I microwave do. on the top of mine. So. <laughs> I'm on hydrometer four or five right now. I, I think we're I think we still have our first ever hydrometer and one of our bricks refractometers. Oh see I need to invest nice. one of those. We have one at sale. They're, they're a little bit more sturdy. Uh I have a question. Sure. Like I know not everybody has access to miles at Divine. So like if how would how were if somebody else was starting, like where would they look? Like if online, or are there any books that they should try to maybe look at? John Palmer, How to Brew, is the homebrewing bible. I have never been anywhere where it was not the first book that I was told to read and told to get, and I truly, wholly, and completely, to the core of my being, believe that that is easily the best resource a beginner can get his hands on. Yep. And easily, it's it's an amazing reference for even intermediate and expert home brewers. And if you don't want to spend the fifteen dollars on it, uh, you can get you can actually get the first version of it online for, for free, free at his website, howtobrew.com. Nice. Yes. Yep. And I tell people that too. Uh, we have his third edition book for sale at the store, which has extra information that the one available for free online does not have, but. I also tell people, like, seriously, look at that book. Just read it, look at I mean, I've easily read the thing eight or nine times yes. by now. Um, the other resources I use are Brewing Classic Styles by Jamil Zanishev. Okay. Which is, especially if you're looking at, uh, that one has extract and all-grain recipes for every every style in the uh, Beer Judge Certification program, uh, program, which is, you know... Like those are the styles that people use to judge beers. Yeah, it's like the definition of what makes any one beer different from any other. Yes, so I recommend that one, especially if you're getting into brewing a lot more. You're you're gonna want to like look at those, and then you can see what makes a American stout, what makes an English bitter. Um, Mm -hmm. That one, and then online, I really enjoy uh, homebrewtalk.com, which is a forum. Yep, Yep, the chat forum. Yeah. Yep. 
and it's it's fantastic. The community is really nice, and there's a lot of great information, yeah. especially in the do-it-yourself section. If you're looking at any ways to make your own kettles, kegerators, fermentation chambers, anything you want to do on your own, you can definitely save a few bucks there. Yeah, and one of the better things is it's not uh, opinions from one guy about one topic, homebrew talk. Uh, is the collaboration of literally hundreds of people yes. doing their own home trial and error things and commenting on their results. Yeah. So it, it's heavily reliable and it's uh, you come up with literally any question you can think of there, it, there'll be an answer. And it definitely illustrates one of the most amazing things about homebrew, which is you can take the same recipe, give it to 50 different people and you will get 50 different beers. Mm hmm. Just because everyone's process will develop a slightly different beer, mm -hmm. which is phenomenal. All right. Uh, do you guys have any other questions or? No. Just one more. Um, just yeast a little bit. Um, I've uh, I've used three different kinds of yeast. Um, when I first bought them, uh, the guy there, he wasn't sure, you know, what to give me. He didn't, he wasn't sure what kind of beer that I wanted. And I really wasn't sure either or what kind of cider rather. Um, when you're brewing cider, do you use do you use ale yeast or champagne? I use ale, Nottingham for my ciders um, because it's a neutral yeah. flavor profile, and it ferments at that no nice ale temperature. And then I like champagne yeast will ferment a little bit too high of alcohol for my taste. Like I like my ciders to be in that uh, six seven percent range. But yeah, for the for the most part, when it comes to uh, ciders, you will end up using a dry ale or a dry champagne yeast, uh, pretty much across the board. So you're saying that uh, the yeast um, and the temperature go hand in hand? Yes. Oh yes. Yep. Okay, I, that's one thing I haven't considered. It's just been you know room temperature for me using whatever kind of yeast, which is what most people start with. Okay. And yeah, it's it's going to be fine. Yeah, room temperature is pretty fail safe. It is. I mean, you, you can you mm. can get some fruity off flavors or something like that if if your room temperature is a little higher. But as long as you're within that sixty to seventy degree range, you're going to be okay. Yeah. Yep. All right. And that's why ales are uh, they dominate the market so heavily because like sixty eight, seventy, or seventy two is their primary temperature, and lagers are. Somewhere between, you know, like 45 and 35 and stuff like Loggers that. Loggers are ridiculous. You yeah. have to start at like 45, they bump up to 55, and then drop down oh, to like 30-something. It's high maintenance. So it is. How do you guys keep track? Like, let's say you have more than one brew going at a time, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say you're doing like multiple. How do you keep track of what you got to do with each one? I put stickers on them. Well, yep. Yeah, yeah. Duct tape with permanent yep. marker. Just, or masking, or masking tape. tape with a pen mark. Like, yeah, like it, yeah. this is this one. This is this one. I brewed this at this time. And take notes. Every beer you every beer you brew, take very good notes so you can replicate it later. Yep. Or at least decide what you want to change and know yep. how it can be changed. And if you mess up, make a note. Yes. Yeah, no, yep. it's true, too. And be like, Carlos did this. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> is, is he the one who left half your kegs leaking all over the floor? No. No. That was not Carlos. <laughs> I would not make a no. Beer Car like Carlos that. would not do that. <laughs> he knows how seriously I take my beer. <laughs> it's like my children. I don't have any children, not so I yet. have beer instead. But if he did have children, they would beer. have even more beer. Yes, and they would they would take second place to my beer. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I'm never gonna have children. <laughs> <laughs> All right, come here, Pale Ale Junior. 
All right, Miles, as always, is there any place people can follow you on the Facebooks or Twitter? Uh, let's see. Divine Liquors has Facebook, Twitter, their own website, and a text club that you can join. And then uh, we got four new Lips of Faith series beers from New Belgium at the store. And then, of course, it's uh, St. Patty's Day tomorrow, so stop by for some Guinness. Gotta get that Guinness. Will do. All righty. Uh, next week, we are having Elizabeth S. on. Uh, she is a comedian from the Twin Cities. I saw her last Monday, and she was phenomenal. My God, I could not stop laughing. Great comedian. That's going to be a fun show. Let's make sure you tune in or stop by the studio, guys. Looking at you guys. All right. Uh, question of the week next week. Why do aliens abduct and probe us? Let us know uh, on Facebook. We'll post that up there, so let us know. Uh, some announcements. Don't miss Tabletop Theater this week. We are airing The Obsidian Spike Part 3 on Wednesday. Spencer was in that. Awesome one. He was playing the amazing barbarian Frank. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> we had a lot of fun, so make sure you guys uh, check that out. Our newest show, Soundwave, airs every Thursday. Join Matt and the crew, including Pete. Oh, yeah. As they talk about My Bloody Valentine's first album in 22 years. Uh, this week's weekly theme is The Changing of the Seasons. Oh man. That's deep. <laughs> and don't forget, Carlos has taken over the Blind Ninja blog, so make sure you keep an eye out every Monday for new content. If you have any feedback on this episode or any of our others or any homebrew-specific questions you want to ask that we can talk about on the next show, send them to feedback at, feed, or at blindninjastudios.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindninjastudios or on Twitter at blind underscore ninja. And we'll see you guys next week.